welcome to a special edition of Film Strip Sessions. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. I'm Nick. I'm Irina. I'm Kurt. I'm Ron. And I'm Lindsay. That's right. We've got the whole crew here to wrap up the year on Filmstrip, for better or worse, as this may go. And credit where it's due, Brian, you wanted to do something like this back in October around Halloween time, but we had a packed month in October. So what made you decide, hey, let's get everybody on one show together? It sounded like a good time at the time. Now I'm regretting that choice. <laughs> So this is the most we've ever had on one podcast, but it should be a lot of fun. We decided to move this little roundtable discussion for our end of the year special. And what we're going to do is have each of us kind of go around the digital roundtable here and list a favorite holiday movie. And the person's going to say what they like about it, why they picked it, special memories, etc. And then the rest of the gang can weigh in if they choose to do so. The only rule is once something is picked, it's then off the table. So if we were doing this at like Valentine's Day and Brian, you pick Pretty Woman, I wouldn't be able to talk about that one. You know, I would just be able to say, you know, oh yeah, I know that one too. And so on and so forth. But other than that, there's no more rules. So let's get things started with our newest Remember, Lindsay, you said on your first edition of Filmstrip when you were back on the November sessions that Christmas movies are your jam this time of the year. So start us off with a favorite holiday film of yours. So this is not just my favorite holiday film. It is one of my probably top five favorite films. True story. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Hands down. Best Christmas movie ever, <laughs> ever released. Um, I've been watching this movie yearly, often probably three or four times throughout the month of November and December. And it's one of my dad's favorites. And I think, I don't know, probably four years ago, I totally went through like the same, we were promised a Christmas bonus and then got a really crap Christmas bonus, like Jelly Club of the Month. So it hit a little close to home that year. Um, so I didn't enjoy it as much as I normally do, but still... One of my top Christmas movies, top favorite movies, and so, so many great one-liners. I mean, yeah. Who can who can forget uh, the whole bit about uh, Chevy Chase's character, Clark, wanting his boss tied up and you left for dead out in the middle of nowhere or whatever, and then Cousin Eddie <laughs> delivering that present right there in the living room? Well, I was just thinking, too, about like his... Uh you know, his little line, like, where's the tie and all? I think we're all going to be doing that after this podcast. So. <laughs> I think my favorite scene of that movie is the one where he's putting the lights on and can't figure out how to do it. She flips a switch and they all go on and it blinds the neighbors and they're just <laughs> falling over everywhere, breaking stuff. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. I don't know, Margo. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> I think the question, though, has to come up is... Who in this group is the cousin Eddie of their family? <laughs> what do you guys think? So, so since I haven't, admit. I haven't seen it. So, what? Lindsay, you're going to have to come over here wow. and cuddle cats and drink wine, and we will watch it together. Hundred percent, I'm in. I demand live texting of this while this happens because I've been a part of those with y'all, and it's it's. <laughs> you glorious. know, you'll get all of the live texts. <laughs> all of the live texts. It'll be a play by play. Play by play. Kurt and Ron, Christmas Vacation. Any any thoughts? I I, I, saw, I think I saw it for the first time last year, and uh, I thought it was funny. It's like, it's a little dated in that they don't really make movies like that anymore. But when it's funny, it's very funny. And my favorite bit is where I think there's a scene where they're lighting the lights and it doesn't go off, and 
every, like we got the whole family gathered, and uh, E.G. Marshall, who's great in the movie, as uh, I think it's Beverly D'Angelo's dad. Uh, she says to E.G. Marshall, "He worked really hard on this, Dad." And E.G. Marshall says, "Yeah, so do washing machines." <laughs> I don't know why, but that line. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is by far one of my favorite holiday movies. This is definitely yes. was my number one. Um, but uh, I figured it would be gone, so I made sure to have a few different ones in the tank. But yeah, I love this movie. I watch it every year. I've actually got it on DVD because one year I missed the airing on um, the TBS airing, so. I went out and bought it because there was nowhere to rent videos anymore. So, absolutely. Well, it's been a been a staple in in my household as well for many many years, and a lot of fun and uh, always a good one. So, Lindsay's pick: National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Well, Ron, you said that was your first one. You're up next in the batter's box. Tell us one of your favorite holiday movies. Well, um, as I was talking to you over text i had quite a bit of difficulty narrowing it down i had to decide whether i wanted to do like a traditional holiday movie or do something more in fitting with my uh, whole aesthetic which is making stupid hipster choices so <laughs> or the fact that you actually look like santa claus just a little bit younger it's true i'm we, we, we we did, we're debating between santa claus and uh steak hag at this point right or, or, santa or claus and rick rubin Rasputin. There you go, Rick Rubin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I thought about it quite a bit, and I do have my second choice in the comedy category, but I'm going to go with a non-comedy Christmas movie, and I'm going to go with something that isn't quite a holiday classic yet, but I think in five years or ten years for me it's going to be. I'm going to go with Krampus. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Now, Appropriate. Uh, Everyone seems to be familiar with Krampus. It's a Christmas horror movie that is also a comedy, but also ends up being a very sweet film at the end. Um, and it's one of those movies that's got a bunch of great people in the cast, and it's got some hilarious Christmas-themed monsters. So I'm a big fan of it, and I've watched it every year since it's come out, and I think that I'm, I feel comfortable enough in naming it like probably my favorite Christmas horror movie. So that's man, that's some big shoes to fill too. So if you go back in the archives, Nick, you and I did Krampus a few years ago, did we not? We did. Yep. I remember uh, going to see that in the theater. One of like 20 people, I think when that uh, movie came out that weekend, but <laughs> it was a, it, it was a good time though. I remember uh, I took my son there and stuff and he was a little, uh, a little nervous going into it. But after he saw it, it was, you know, basically kind of a comedy. He really kind of got into it, but uh, yeah, no Krampus is a totally fun movie. I love the redneck, uh, you know, uncle that comes over there at the Hummer with the gun rack in the car. I'd, I'd buy that car personally. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that really is a great movie. The opening credits, like I, I was, rec- it was recommended to me as a horror movie. I didn't know it was going to be funny. So then when the opening credits start, I can't remember what song is playing, but when it's like the slow-mo thing of what looks like a black Friday sale of just a horde of people crashing into this department store, like it's something out of 28 days later, I was just pissing myself laughing. Like, <laughs> I, was just so, I was so not ready for comedy and just showing like, like fights over items and stuff. And my favorite bit is so you see people ringing stuff up, swiping their credit cards, looking just so depressed and uh, upset over the amount of money they're spending. But that's it, like, it's a, it's, it is a really good horror movie, but that opening stands out for me. 
Yeah, anybody who's ever worked retail during the holidays, I, I'll throw it around the horn. See who else has. Like that was like PTSD flashbacks for me. I was I was very scared watching the opening of that. Oh, totally. I remember uh, one year we went to Toys R Us for the Black Friday sale. Got there on Thanksgiving night at like nine o'clock for like the ten o'clock opening, and I am not good with crowds. Uh, Jay will probably tell you that I'm not really really good with that and they had to get me a chair to sit in with a bottle of water because there were so many people in the store i couldn't handle it so yep that beginning of the movie is totally totally true to life to basically what's going to be happening in uh what five days from this recording yeah yeah we're doing this one a little bit before thanksgiving so yeah i've never seen it so i can't really weigh in but i guess i'll have to watch it now irena add that to our list we have a really, really long running list of <laughs> Christmas movies because you like them and I don't. <laughs> but I'm a good friend. I'm supportive of your addiction. It's okay. I appreciate that. You're welcome. We can are, watch are, we, are we talking like legit Christmas movies or are we talking like Hallmark Christmas movies? Ew, you know no, what? I bet she no. would sit and watch them. Oh, shush. I, you would. Hallmark movies? Yes. I mean, I would just judge them the whole time. I vividly remember having a discussion <laughs> over wine, so maybe neither of us remember <laughs> <laughs> talking about watching Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, I've been forced into watching them a number an, on a number of occasions, and we can just... watch a Christmas Prince together. Yeah, I'm not okay with that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm now having flashbacks to last night as my wife and I I was pulled through those as well. But you know that's what I get back though for making her watch stuff like some of the stuff we've reviewed on this show. So that's you know only fair. So, Brian Krampus, have you got any, anything with Krampus? I've never seen it myself either, so I I can't comment. Dude, it's like the leprechaun goes to Christmas. It's right. You got to see it. Sold. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, it's it. great. You got to. I do was it. gonna just a quick a quick sidebar question. How many movies are in the Christmas horror movie genre? Like, is that a large genre? <laughs> More than you think. It's a good size. I'm yeah. unaware of. It's a large genre. Yeah, there's quite okay. a bit. All right. Okay. Good to know. Lindsay, you've you mentioned National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ron, you came with Krampus. So, Kurt, we go to you, my friend, in the great north. Tell us a good holiday movie or a favorite of yours. I guess, yeah, anyone who knows me knows this is the movie I was going to bring up. It's been a favorite of mine since <laughs> I was four years old, and it is Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Whoa. Uh, the bat, it's, it's, it's a Christmas movie by technicality at best. It's... Uh, the penguin running for mayor of Gotham City, and when that doesn't work out, he plots to kill all the firstborn sons in the city. So it's a classic holiday movie set for whatever reason around Christmas time, which, when combined with all the nightmarish imagery of this movie, just makes it for a very disturbing, one of the darkest Christmas movies ever made, and thusly uh, uh, right up my alley with my my personal favorite Batman with Michael Keaton who does anything but overact in this which is a change of pace for certain other Batman movies tons of standout moments in this as a Batman fan like Batman using his grappling hook to shoot behind a guy and yank out a hunk of concrete to knock a guy out or a personal favorite of mine it, it does stick with me as a Christmas image is where this one of the Penguins guys is like a fire eater breaks into a toy store and lights it on fire. Very disturbing image, like the opening credits of Terminator 2 with all these teddy bears on fire. And then the Batmobile pulls up, and the fire eater starts blowing fire on it. A platform comes up from underneath the Batmobile, rotates the car 180 degrees. Batman hits a switch. Um, The afterburner on the Batmobile sends out a blast, engulfs the guy in fire, definitely killing him. 
which is something the Burton movies didn't mind doing. And this movie did well in 1992, but it was controversial for how dark and depressing it was uh, for a studio movie aimed at children, but Tim Burton clearly wasn't trying to do that. It got Tim Burton taken off of the next movie and replaced by Joel Schumacher, and everybody knows where it goes from there. And so in 1992, this was seen as too dark and disturbing. We're watching it today. I mean, I mean, it's not for everybody, but what it is for me is it's a comic book blockbuster unlike any other. A distinct artistic visual style, gruesome violence, frightening imagery. It's a comic book movie where the studio got entirely out of the way and let the director create something unique. And wow, does that not happen with comic book movies these days. Like I could go on yeah. about this movie four hours, so I'll just stop now and say <laughs> Batman Returns is a personal favorite of mine. I would say it's my second favorite Batman movie behind The Dark Knight. And it's at least my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, Kurt, the, uh, you're going to kill me for this, but the one thing I remember the most from that movie, and I've seen it a billion times, is when Batman takes a CD and does a scratch with it like it was a record. I remember that distinctly. <laughs> and, but the thing that you brought up, I think, is, is so telling because the fact that Tim Burton lit a toy store on fire lets you know what he thought about the people that were marketing that movie and what they were going to oh, yeah. do with it. So that's an interesting choice. I, I, I don't hate Batman Returns. I just know that there's parts of it that I, I don't know I have trouble with. But it's not that bad. So that's an interesting pick. I, I'm digging it. Right on. Yeah, Batman Batman Returns is uh I mean after watching that first Batman movie and watching Batman Returns, whoever they decided to do kind of their set design there needs needed to be fired because every time I watch that movie, everything on that movie feels like a set. Whereas like that first Batman yeah. movie, everything feels really like grandiose, very deep and everything where I mean even like that beginning scene where they're like, they have the Christmas tree and that big present comes out, it's like wow, it's like really like how do people even get back there? Cause it's buildings all around, like in a perfect like square. So I don't know for me. I mean, no disrespect. It's actually one of my least favorite Batman movies, <laughs> minus the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, leather garb, but that's for a different podcast. So. <laughs> so you're not wrong about the set design. It's like the first movie was like, they, it's like they built a whole city, very blade runner, epic feel. And with the, the new with Batman returns, it's like, you can almost see exactly where, the studio ends and probably wear like a, a car that says security on it or something. Like you can see where everything ends. There's some good matte paintings in it though that do show a whole cityscape. But yeah, it's a definite, it's a, it's a complete shift in quality with the art direction. And that might have something to do with the art director of the first movie, uh, eating a shotgun. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> Dang. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that actually fits with the holidays. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that the um, I feel like the artificiality of the sets is kind of a directorial choice because I think Tim Burton is trying to make a larger overall point, uh, mostly about the superficiality of Christmas and movies in general. I mean, that, that was just my take on it. I think it, it felt it felt too obvious to not be a deliberate choice by tim burton now maybe he was trying to get fired the whole time he was like let me make this movie look like crap i don't know but <laughs> it, it felt like a like a decision he was deliberately making well it's definitely it's it's a very artistic art director's movie uh i'll uh i'm trying to think it's like i'll bet you if he had an unlimited budget we would see it's very Tim Burton monochromatic. Everything is black, white, or gray. I wonder if he had an unlimited budget. It would be, you know, a Tim Burton version of the huge open city from the first movie. But I guess 
they were limited a little bit uh, in 1992 to create something, you know, really big for Gotham. But yeah. It's always interesting, though, watching the uh, Tim Burton Batman movies because he is so much more interested in the villains than Batman and, you know, either of the two movies where, you know, I guess you look at Tim Burton and it's probably like, yeah, he's part of the uh, the more interesting crowd in high school. So maybe he's more interested in kind of the rejects so much. But it is funny, though, when you watch that compared to like the Nolan movies and everything where Batman's basically the front of the movie where those first two Burton movies, it's very much villain centric where I mean, even in that first one, Jack Nicholson is the one that gets the, you know, the first credit on there, not, you know, the guy playing Batman, which is, I think, the only time. Oh, yeah. Batman is very much, at least in, certainly in Batman Returns. I mean, I mean, I I would love to know what his actual number of lines is in the movie, because I remember every time I watch it, there's like a 40 minute gap, it feels like. Between where like Michael Keaton is just not in the movie from his first appearance to his next appearance. But once what actually when you watch it again. I mean, I don't know if it's going to, you know, make a huge, if it's going to be that noticeable, but in the second half, Michael Keaton is much more of a prominent figure, but it does stand out. Like you could, you would never make a movie today where like you couldn't make Iron Man four where Robert Downey Jr. is out of the movie for a full 30 minutes. Before I throw it to, to Brian and Lindsay and Irina, there's a scene in the movie where like the moon or the bat signal comes on and Michael Keaton like turns toward the camera as if to say, oh yeah, I'm in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that opening scene, though, where they have the bat signals go off, did he have those on top of the house? Like, no one noticed that when they all suddenly all directed it towards his study? He must not have a lot of people invited over to the house because it's very plain as day, like a uh, <laughs> like a 10-foot-wide uh, uh, bat signal on top of the house that, you know, he tells people it's a TV satellite, maybe. <laughs> I actually, I haven't seen this movie in forever. I love the curveball. I'd never, I don't even think I remembered that it took place around Christmas time. Yeah. Um, but I love it. My general rule is if a movie has a Christmas scene, it can be a Christmas movie. So, um, <laughs> I mean, this I is I, perfect. Uh, this is Danny DeVito as the penguin though, right? Yep. Oh, yes. All right. I'm just making sure I have the movie right in my head. Yep. All I remember from that movie is how great, and by great, I mean just the worst Danny DeVito looked as the Penguin, like, in the best possible way. Like, he looked so nasty and dirty, and that image sticks with me. It is so gross. I love a gross Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is it is super freaky the look of him I, I think it was like a leonard malton review they just put this random line in it that always stood out with me it's like like complimenting how good the stan winston makeup is on the penguin it's like imagine getting up at three in the morning and you turn around and you see that like that's how scary that thing is it really is like yeah know, denny devito's playing it very with comedy and and everything, but like it really is tr- super scary. And honestly, oh, yeah. I really like the darker superhero movies anyway, and the darker Christmas movies. So, I mean, Christmas Vacation isn't a dark Christmas movie, but you've got all the family stress there. But I like, I like the term. Mm. I like, I like the choice. <laughs> I think you'd like Krampus then, because a lot of people get murdered. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm totally down for that. <laughs> I'll watch it later. And Kurt, uh, to I go back to your that. point about waking up at that at three in the morning, I have woken up at my in-laws at three in the morning, and it is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can uh, agree with that. Sometimes it is terrifying. <laughs> 
I love the fact that this is your pick as your Christmas movie, Kurt, because one of the like recurring themes through Christmas movies is the the orphan that needs like love and tenderness and everything. So it sure. even kind of comes back to uh, <laughs> that whole Christmas theme with with this particular movie. My parents didn't want me to be number one, so they treated me like number two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's there. That whole yep. Christmas theme is there. Oh, for sure. The Penguin and Bruce Wayne, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I just remember that this movie was just so gray. That's the biggest thing I took away from <laughs> it. Everything was gray. There was barely any color. Um, and I thought that kind of took away from it, personally. But oh, Yeah, that's, that, that was some of the, the the buzz at the time. It's like this, the cinematographers on the DVD talking about it. He read a review and said the movie looked like it was shot in an inkwell. And he was like, oh, oops. But uh, but that's one of the <laughs> things that stands out is like, that's one of the things that stands out is like, I mean, Hollywood will never make another like blockbuster, you know, $80 million or the equivalent today. They'll never make another movie that looks like this. And that's one thing I actually like about it. Well, Brian, I'm just going to tell you right now, do not watch the movie The Gray if you don't like that. <laughs> Checking it off the list. Yeah. Well, we've had National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, we've had Krampus, we've had Batman Returns. Irina, what have you got for us on your favorite holiday menu? I'm going to go a, a completely different route than the rest of you, and I'm going to say Holiday Inn. Yes. Wow. <laughs> holiday Inn with, it was Bing Crosby movie, Fred Astaire, but it, it's one of my favorite movies. I used to watch it with my mom all the time. I can sing through it. I watch it with my mother-in-law now, even though we don't get along with absolutely everything in life. But so, you know, 1942 musical, but um, it, it makes me happy. And there's nothing that elicits more of a holiday response for me than when Bing Crosby takes his damn pipe and dings it along the bells on the Christmas tree. And um, it makes me cry all the time, but it, it, it just screams holiday for me. I think that's because I grew up loving Cole Porter and I'm a musical theater geek. You were thinking of uh, Virginia Dale, I believe. Yes, I was. I just Googled that too. <laughs> okay. So now you've hit something I've never seen, never even heard of it, honestly. So are that's... you kidding me? No, I missed this one. This is not one I know. Jay, make it I've too. Never I seen have it no either. idea what you guys are talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not surprised by that, Nick. We're just surprised by Jay not knowing about it. Expected you to have bad taste. I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have not seen this. I, I have heard of it because I think this is where White Christmas comes from. I think. Um, same. Some of the same music. Not all the same music. I'm not going to say that it come. They come from one another. They're both Cole Porter based uh, right. musicals, but. That's what they did back then. They just borrowed each other's music and made different movies. Kurt, for sure. Well, well no, I haven't seen it, but uh, it, I mean, uh, it, it looks good. Everybody so, needs to watch but, Holiday Inn. If you've but, seen White I, Christmas. Well, I have a question for you, Irina. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Why did you go with Holiday Inn over White Christmas? Because for me, the ending of White Christmas makes me cry like a baby every time. Because I'm not you. <sighs> That one's so good, too. White Christmas is amazing, but for some reason, Holiday Inn, like, I don't know whether it's the love story that's in there that just brings out my romantic soul, which is really, like, buried way, way deep. Um, But the way the plot moves to bring two people back together that have been torn apart. And it's, for me, 
um, that type of thing in the holidays just kind of brings about brings about the warm and fuzzies. Brian, I hear you say you hadn't seen White Christmas either. I have not seen White Christmas. That's sacrilege. Wow. I have not seen White Christmas. We're not surprised by that, Nick. Well, Nick, uh, next I movie night like at your house. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, you're fired as my best friend. For the first time. I did. But I've seen it. I've seen mm-hmm. it. You've seen it. So. And it's fresh. How did you, what did you, what did you think of that ending, Lindsay? I might've fallen asleep, actually. I hate you. <laughs> why are you my friend? God. This is why Ron and I are like BFFs over out. you two. Telling people no. <laughs> well, all right. We've, we've had Christmas Vacation. We've had Krampus. Batman Returns, a classic in Holiday Inn. Nick, it's time for you to uh, lay out a holiday favorite. <laughs> is everyone well, ready I- for this? I hope you are because I am a big Hallmark Christmas fan, and my favorite movie is Christmas Wishes and Mistletoe Kisses, starring <laughs> Jill Wagner. <laughs> and it's a December brings a new job for an interior designer as potential love <laughs> just happened to be her brand new boss enters her life. This is a bit. <laughs> it better and be. by that, I am completely bullshitting you guys. My favorite Thank Christmas you. movie is Bad Santa. I oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> it's it's the movie that really made me really love Billy Bob Thornton because I truly believe that is how he is in real life. I think you know when you see him sitting there pissing himself, drinking like crazy, and boxing a dwarf, that is what I think Billy Bob Thornton does in his normal life. So I watch that every every Christmas, probably the first Christmas movie I will watch, which will probably be this Friday. And uh, I mean, it's one I think all you guys have seen, right? I have yeah. not seen it. Oh, yeah. I, will, I will admit now, have never seen it. All right, now we're having another movie night, Jake. <laughs> I've only seen it on cable, so I need to, to get with the times and get the unrated. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the unrated. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, just to kind of give everybody a little bit of a plot summary, basically, Billy Bob Thornton plays Santa Claus at the mall, and he's got a little dwarf helper. Um, and what he does is they end up breaking into the mall on Christmas Eve night, and he does that by, you know, infiltrating the mall and, you know, kind of learning everything about it as he plays Santa Claus. But he's also uh, just beyond being a drunk. I mean, as I mentioned, he, he pisses himself when he says kids on his lap, he's trying to, he's really into banging bigger women in the bathroom stall and doing <laughs> all types of weird stuff with them. So, and it's just, it's, it's a great raunchy movie and it's completely Christmassy. So it's definitely, like I said, my favorite. I haven't seen it. Okay, so you joined my club. Haven't seen it. Okay, okay, Irina. Clearly, we need to have some. Is this an in, is this an intervention, Lindsay? Okay, so Li- Lindsay, you you've seen it. So yes. do do tell, please. Uh, so I love Irina that you brought up the orphan theme um, earlier because this kind of is an orphan theme. I mean, the little boy in the movie. He's not an orphan, but he's kind of been abandoned. And his grandmother, who is not all with it, just kind of chills and he takes care of himself. But then he finds Billy Bob and they, like, you know, become each other's special friend. Not that came out wrong. They weren't each other's special friend. (laughs) He becomes like a weird, fucked up father figure. But it's just 
so sweet and he's just like this kid is just like heartbreakingly delightful i don't know how else to put that he's just so aloof and the whole movie is just hilarious the kid she mentions basically he's a little i mean he's very overweight but he wears clothes that are about two times as you know too small for him and <laughs> his grandma is always wanting to make sandwiches and the kid keeps on getting his butt kicked throughout the movie by these bullies. And one of them kind of looks like Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's like, he's obsessed with Santa Claus, even though he's probably like 13, 14, where he thinks he should be past that stage. But then you find out his dad's in jail. His mom's nowhere to be found. And his grandma is, you know, she's probably a couple of days away from being put into a hospice. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a story about that, about them, you know, kind of developing somewhat of a friendship over the time. And, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, the girl, the love interest, and there's the uh, the mom from Gilmore Girls. Uh, Lauren well, Graham, so. yeah, Lauren Graham. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and she's got a Santa Claus fetish. Yeah, she does. Okay, that's disturbing. Okay, Kurt, I heard you kind of weighing in and back there. Have you seen Bad Santa? I have seen it. I only saw it the once. It was a few years ago, but I, I did like it a lot. It's all about Billy Bob Thornton. It's like you wouldn't you wouldn't think to put him in a movie like this where he's the lead in a comedy, but because he because because when Billy Bob Thornton's good. He's usually good as some kind of like a scumbag and he plays such a dirtbag in this movie and seeing him as a mall Santa, you know, just makes it funny. It's, it's a nice kind of crime comedy too. Cause like, he's trying to like, uh, you know, what is he like? He's burgling the mall, uh, after hours. And there's a great character played by the late, great, uh, Bernie Mac. He's like the, the mall security guard, like the mall detective and John um, Ritter and, the, and John Ritter is also good too. Um, and, and it is a, it's a very good movie executive produced by the Coen brothers. And you can, I think you can kind of tell it's got their sensibilities in it with some of the sense of humor and the darkness of the crime and stuff. But yeah, it is a, it is a good movie. And from what I, I heard Billy Bob Thornton tell this story, it came out around the same time as elf. And apparently <laughs> since bad Santa is R rated, he heard from what he understands is that people, kids were going to buy tickets to elf and they were seeing <laughs> bad, Santa. bad Santa. So Billy Bob Thornton went up to Wolf Farrell's like, you know, you owe me like $60 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe that was a decision. Maybe they wanted to see um, Billy Bob Thornton instead of wait, who was in that? Will Farrell? Oh yeah. Will Farrell. See, I can't make my way through elf. So what? Apologies oh. to anyone who loves it. Lindsay, take care of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We we've had National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We've had Krampus. We've had Batman Returns. We've had Holiday Inn. We've now had Bad Santa. Brian, it is your turn, my man. What's some, one of your favorite holiday movies? Well, I want to say Polar Express, but I'm not going to. But I'd it's like so to good. say Aww. a Christmas story, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to go with a classic that Jay and I stumbled upon oh, several years back. Maybe I'm going with the classic Santa's sleigh yes. starring the one and only Bill Goldberg. Yes, that's right. Yes. A Jewish Santa. Rock on. It's so bad. It's okay, so hold on a minute. You and Ron and I reviewed that a few Christmases back. You go back to the archives and listen. But please, Brian, do do tell uh, our our newer cast members who may have not been around during that time what it was about Santa's sleigh that was so special. Uh, the fact that everyone in it was Jewish doing a Christmas movie was awesome. <laughs> and the fact that 
the fact that Bill Goldberg was a pissed off Santa killing people because he had to spend 1000 years being nice to everyone as a punishment. That was just fantastic. <laughs> it, it was it was just too good to pass up. <sighs> it's so bad. It's good. This is a solid it. choice, Brian. That is a Thank very you. solid choice. <laughs> now, is this the one, though, that has the cover where it's Santa's and they like cross it out there? So it looks like it's Satan's sleigh. Yeah, like if you turn it a certain way, the hologram changes. Yeah, Sa- same yes. same one. Yeah, like his face goes from jolly to like having fangs and all kinds of stuff. It's there's a rocket launcher involved, and isn't like Emily <laughs> DeRaven in that too or something? Like <laughs> Jay, if I'm not mistaken, the premise is that Satan got punished but had to be Santa <laughs> yes. for a thousand years, and <laughs> after the thousand years are up, he can go back to being Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and wearing this jolly Christmas outfit, going around killing people—it's—it's it's fantastic. That is awesome choice. That was a fun watch. I don't know that it makes my usual rotation, but I may have to rewatch it now. So, okay, Ron, you were on well. that show, so please, please weigh in. Now that you mentioned that, Brian, I'm going to have to rewatch it too because it's been <laughs> a long time, and I remember enjoying it a lot. And I think it would make a good one-two punch with Krampus. So I think I may have to do a uh, have a little movie night. <laughs> Christmas Horror Night. It really sounds like the Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas uh, like jumped into another movie um, <laughs> to me, personally. <laughs> but I'll have to watch it. Lindsay, it's worth add watching. that to the list. Uh, I did. I, it's already on it. She's probably preacher. writing a list too. I am. It's right oh, here. There you go. She's, she's making <laughs> a list. She's gonna she's check that shit twice. It twice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why she's my one of my best friends. It's worth watching for for the uh, the scene with the the preacher, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was so good. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll defer. You guys can go ahead and get that one because it's it's worth the five bucks I spent on that DVD. <laughs> 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 It sounds like a movie marathon is going to happen for Lindsay and I, and we're just going to, like, Skype all of you and make you, like, <laughs> sit there with us. Just, there to, yeah, just make sure you've got, like, the camera over your shoulder so we can see the TV while you're Skyping, and we can all just watch. That's right, fine. Yeah. We can manage that, I'm sure. <laughs> we got talent. Like, put it on Twitch. So, uh, Kurt, what about you? You ever, ever seen Santa Slay? <laughs> I have not seen it. I heard of it, and from the, like, Everything I've heard about it, or like the look of it, looks like it's a straightforward like slasher movie. But from the sound of it, it sounds like it's a comedy. Oh yeah, and you say oh, like, I think it's a slasher cat. movie, but it it turns into a comedy <laughs> while watching it. I mean, it, it just you can't help but laugh at some of the stuff. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the cast here. Some of the actors in it, like James Con, Fran Drescher, uh, Saul Rubinek, and Dave Thomas. This actually sounds like like you're saying so bad it's good it sounds like i'm gonna check this out yeah they picked Mm -hmm. the most jewish cast they could have (laughs) yes they did like how can you get more jewish than fran i'm sorry like (laughs) new york jew is right there and the director david steimen yep it it is like a list that goes on and on i love it like i can i can imagine the discussion at the studio and it just turning into like this joke that didn't end like, hey, Bill Goldberg wants to do like a horror movie or something. I don't know. Why don't we cast him as like Satan Claus? Ha 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 ha. Hey, you know, that's kind of funny. Isn't he Jewish? Yeah. I bet Dave Thomas would do it. He ain't doing nothing right now. Okay. Hey, you know what, Dave? Are you friends with any like other people? Like, yes, all Ruben will come on down. Like, it just became this thing that I don't know that that's true. I'm just inventing it. 
and now, Ron, go put that on IMDb. Somebody will quote that somewhere along the way. And so it's now canon. Like we've spoken it into existence. (laughs) Well, my goodness, what a collection of things we have listed here. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We've had Krampus, Batman Returns, Holiday Inn, Bad Santa, and now Santa's Sleigh. Brian did name drop a couple others. Your Polar Express, Christmas Story. I had Christmas Story on a list. That's one I kind of liked. I did mention in the November session show that there's a, a version of the Christmas Carol that I dig. But I'll be honest with you, if there's one movie I watch every Christmas, and it never fails every Christmas, it's a movie that taught me how the commodities brokerage works. And that's 1983's Trading Places. But yes. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy and this, you know Jamie Lee Curtis, my scream queen always, Ralph Bellamy, Donna Meachie's in this, Denholm Elliott, uh, and then you know, even good old Paul Gleason, uh, who plays uh, Clarence Beeks, and also it, I think he gets uh, totally violated by a gorilla in that movie or something like that. I mean, it's the, the movie is insane, okay? But it is it is Eddie Murphy at the height of his powers, and I'm so glad to see Eddie back again. I rewatched the Dolomite is my name thing recently again, Ron. You and I did Dolomite way back in the day, and Eddie totally has Rudy Ray more down. I mean, it's it's so funny. But Trading Places to me, y'all, is a perfect Christmas movie. And if you don't know the story by any chance. Dan Aykroyd plays this real snooty broker who befalls a bet that he doesn't even know is happening. His two bosses decide, like, if you take that guy and put him in the worst circumstances and you take a guy off the street and you put him in Dan Aykroyd's circumstances, the, the results will be exactly the same. And so they, they bet a dollar over this and they grab Eddie Murphy off the street. He's just a hustler and put him in Dan Aykroyd's life. And they ruin Dan Aykroyd's life to the point that he looks like what I imagine bad Santa looks like. He's disheveled and pulling like, you know, pastries out of his beard and all kinds of crazy stuff. He gets a gun and shoots up a Christmas party. And and Eddie Murphy goes from being, again, a street hustler to being like, no, I think I will retire for the evening. It was just hilarious stuff. And then Jamie Lee Curtis plays the hooker with the heart of gold, literally, um, who rescues them both. And I, I, can't, I love that movie and will dump for it every day of the week. So anybody else got, got thoughts about Trading Places? I've never seen it. Oh, fix that. Lindsay, I added it to the list already. We have a really long list going, <laughs> don't we? It's going to be a marathon at Lindsay's house. I'm just going to invite everybody to Virginia. <laughs> Welcome to come. I've got plenty of space. Bring an air mattress. <laughs> I've got all the air mattresses. Y'all don't need to bring them. It's fine. That is a great choice, and that is a great movie, Jay. Yeah, when I was making up a list of Christmas movies, I totally f- looked over and forgot about uh, Trading Places. That movie is outstanding. You're saying it's Eddie Murphy in his at his prime. It's also John Landis in his yeah. prime. He had a stretch there of movies. Like, it's a Kentucky Fried movie, uh, Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, and then this. It's like, if he did nothing else after that, it's like, that's enough to say he's one of the best uh, comedy directors ever. And yeah, it is hilarious. Like, yeah, Dan Aykroyd is a pretty underrated actor. Because he has to play a lot of levels. He has to play the snooty guy who goes <laughs> – the snooty upper-class guy who you know had his low point in the movie. Like Eddie Murphy calls out to him, hey, Winthorpe. He just looks at him and goes, eh. <laughs> it's, and the way it's shot is so dark and disturbing. And, and yeah, he pulls out like an entire salmon filet out of his beard. Just weird stuff like that. That is that's such a – Nick, what about you? I've never seen it, Jay. Oh, we're going to fix that. So. Actually, no, I have <laughs> seen like 30 seconds of it, but that's about it. 
Oh man, that's that's definitely one I think you should add to your list. Nick, did you you're, not gonna, just... you're not gonna you're not gonna guess what thirty seconds I've seen. I was Anybody? about to say it's <laughs> the part where Jamie Lee Curtis takes her top off. It is. <laughs> that's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> also known as when in Scream as when she decided to go legit. So as, as they say. So Brian, what about you? I've seen this movie. I absolutely love this movie. I think it's a fantastic film. God, I haven't seen it in years though. I need to I need to see it again. But yes, uh I remember watching this when I was younger with my dad uh, and we just were on the floor laughing so hard. So yeah, definitely a, a great pick. Now, I made the joke at the beginning there that it taught me about the commodities brokerage or whatever. <laughs> and that's only half untrue. Cause like my brother, who's five years older than me, big economics geek and stuff like that, especially when he was growing up. And so by the time I got to see this, which was probably like, I don't know, 1988, 89, somewhere like I was at least like you know 12 or so. And he was older. So he was in high school. He was sitting there watching that going like, you know, that actually would work. Like, you know, frozen orange juice isn't a thing, but like all what they're doing would actually work. And then years later, I saw something in like Forbes where they broke down like yeah this is actually how that would work and it's totally accurate and they brought in these economists to do it and the guy who wrote the article who was an economist himself said that's actually why I got into this was because I saw trading places and I was like see career help as you're watching a good movie I've seen this movie like you know maybe eight times and uh, I like to think of myself as a fairly smart guy but every time we get to that bit I just completely like it's exciting because it's like the, 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 the intensity of the stock market, but I have no idea how it's, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I just, all I know is what Eddie Murphy said. It made sense. Oh, we, we did, you know, he didn't think we could uh, get rich and make y'all poor at the same time. So then that, that's pretty much every day. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love trading places. So, all right. So to run our list again, Lindsay, you went with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ron, you had Krampus. Kurt, you went with Batman Returns. Irina, you went with Holiday in nick you had bad santa brian you stuck with the santa slime and went to uh, santa sleigh and then i brought up trading places but there's a lot of christmas movies you didn't get to mention and ron you had asked me offline said hey i want to talk about like a slate of them and you dropped it earlier talk a little bit about shane black's uh, christmas oeuvre well in, in case you're unfamiliar shane black is mr christmas basically every movie he's done from lethal weapon on forward has a christmas component to it so let me read a little thing from a an Entertainment Weekly thing that Shane Black did. When asked about his obsession with Christmas, it tends to be a touchstone for me, he admits. Christmas represents a little stutter in the March of Days, a hush in which we have a chance to assess and retrospect our lives, which I think is very sweet from a guy who was hired on to the Predator to add jokes to a movie where a giant <laughs> monster tries to kill everyone. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, Shane Black... Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, Iron Man 3, um, The Nice Guys. Pretty much every movie he makes has a piece of Christmas involved in it or is set at Christmas. And it was inspired by uh, the first time he saw another Christmas movie we did mention, Three Days of the Condor. Oh, yeah. It's also I real. haven't seen that one either. But um, I, I appreciate the fact that there's a theme going on with this director. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Lethal Weapon, how can you not talk about that? And- you know what? I can't listen to Jingle not uh, Jingle Bar Rock without thinking of Lethal Weapon. Right? And- like, every time it comes on the radio, I'm like, up and 
there's Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. And no, I'm no. Fun. Jingle Bell Rock devolves into like Eric Clapton and David Sanborn and Michael Kamen and some girl jumping out of a you know roof. Like that's it. Either like, way, <laughs> what else do you think about when you hear, hear Jingle Bell Rock? Like none of us can think of anything else except that damn movie. See, when, like, I, when I hear that mm. song, though, I think of Mean Girls. That's just what I. Oh yeah, you would. <laughs> Yeah, he is the mean girl. Like we can't get around it. He's gonna sing that jingle bell rock with his like super cute outfit on all day. Oh yeah. I'm the Rachel McAdams of the cast. <laughs> mm, adorable. No doubt. Well folks, thanks for joining us on this very special edition, and I do mean special edition of Film Strip Sessions. We really appreciate your support that year. Please follow the podcast at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter. You can also look at Filmstrip Podcast on Facebook. And now we're gonna go around the horn and let people know how you can follow them on social media, Lindsay. It's Lindsay Luhu. So L I N Z underscore L U underscore who. On Instagram. On Instagram. You can follow me at Hollywood Ron on Twitter, and you can read you can read my writing additionally at uh, denofgeek.com and denofgeek.us and possibly some other places that I'm working on. So there you go. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. We have the Fabish Factor Film Group on Facebook, where we try to have conversations uh, somewhere along the lines of the ones we just had. You can also find me on Letterbox, where I do my film reviews, and of course, there's the Fabish Factor Film Podcast. Kurt's Letterbox, by the way, is really good. Thanks, man. I'm glad Ron said it. Uh, following Kurt is uh, an educational experience. I learn more about film every day. Uh, but you oh. can follow me, Irina, at EYE.NERD on Instagram or on Twitter at EYESING. So I sing on Twitter. Hey, old man Nick, you're still swearing off the social media? Yep. choice. <laughs> 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 Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I don't use it very often, but I'm Brian Thomas eight seven eight. You can find me on uh, my records site is Brian's Vinyl Records on Instagram, on uh, Facebook and YouTube, and Brian's Vinyl Rec on Twitter. Fantastic. So again, folks, thanks so much for your support of our podcast here, and we'll look forward to some real fun things in 2020. We've got a good bit recorded already, but as you can tell with this group of people, there's always more fun stuff to come up around the bend. So for Lindsay, Ron, Kurt, Irene, and Nick, Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.